0: On. All right. So um, it's been a couple weeks since we've been together. So we probably should kind of recap where we've been. Um, So, does anybody remember kind of what we talked about two weeks ago? I'm getting a lot of shaky I wasn't. I was going to deal with the bad this chapter.
1: Yeah. And was
2: that
1: when they were like
2: pouring things over the. Crowd like the angels up, or is that,
0: was that, that was when things were on fire? Okay, yeah. the Babylon was the the on fire,
3: the
0: yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, um, just not to not to, not to toot my own horn, but uh, if you were to listen to the sermon from yesterday, <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, self advertised. Oh my <laughs>
0: Gosh, so um, I was
2: literally out
0: of town. <laughs> yeah, you know, no excuses. Okay, <laughs> this is going great. Um, no, but it, it, essentially, um, you see, that we're getting to the end. Uh, we're getting to the end of the book, but we're also getting to the the, the end of things. Like, you know, we've talked all along that revelation isn't fully about like the end, but this part is, this is about kind of, there's pathways, there's a pathway of the kingdom of God, there's a pathway of the kingdom of the world. And two weeks ago, we talked about kind of that whole system of kind of pursuing like selfish gain and, you know, abusing other people to get ahead and all that sort of like the, the destination for that is not great. And so we kind of got, we got, went did 17 and 18 two weeks ago and we get to 19 today, and it gets contrasted a little bit with the bride. Um, but then next week, we're going to see kind of the, the final culmination. But we've got to still deal with um, some of this evil before we can get to talking about the bride. So i want to read um, 19, 1 through 10 just to kind of get us kicked off. Um, so after this and so after this is there's just been this whole thing about Babylon this whole system kind of crumbling down and and kind of finishing up. So after this I heard what sounded like a great like a roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God for true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged her on her, the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah, the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God, uh, who were seated on the throne, and they cried, Amen, Hallelujah. Then, then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise praise uh, our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like a roar of rushing waters, and like, a, like, and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and the bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given, for her, given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteousness, righteous acts of God's holy people. Thanks, John, for the... <laughs> Interpretive <melody. laughs> Then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who, who are in, invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. At this I fell on, at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for it is a spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. So let's unpack. There's a lot that just happened there. Um so first of all you've got a celebration and we've got to remember so let's let's recap a minute. Who is the original audience of this whole thing? The Seven Churches. Seven Churches. And what's going on in the Seven Churches? What's happening? What's happening? just generally speaking. They've been persecuted for a long time. Yeah, yeah, they've been really struggling. So the, the hard thing about some of these judgment, I mean, it's hard because it's judgment, but we are used to in America as like being the powerful. We're the one, you know, we have a powerful army. We have a powerful, and a lot of times um, Christianity gets sort of like ingrafted into, you know, the power of the military. You see a lot of like, you know, Christian symbolism mixed with like patriotic symbolism and so like this is like it's weird for us because we are used to seeing ourselves as like the, the strong one but the people who are listening to this are not the strong one they're not the majority they are the weak ones they are the outcasts they are the powerless and so that's why you have such a celebration because if you think about it like if you are being bullied, you know this is just a really a simple explanation. But like if you've been bullied, it's like your bully's finally going to get their what's coming to them, and so that's where the celebration comes from. And so, um, you know, salvation um, at the beginning. You know it's it's salvation for like for their souls, but it's also, they've been saved from this, you know, challenging life, this struggle. It's a salvation from, you know, being beat up all the time, being killed, being martyred. And so, um, and for true and just are his judgments. And we kind of talk, we've kind of been talking about this all along, but this is the thing we wrestle with. And a lot of times we focus on God, a God of mercy, a lot, but we don't always focus on a God of Justice a whole lot. Um, but let's talk about this for a minute. What, what What would the world look like if you had mercy and no justice? Everyone would just you know, like go, oh, like, "Oh, you can change." Like a lot of people would be like taken it. advantage of. Yeah. Okay. Anything else, like? World with mercy without justice. Like how do you think history would look could, different? Go ahead. Oh, uh, well I don't know what would come out of it, but there'd probably be a lot of
4: resentment in the victims for the people who were taking advantage of. Okay. And Um but like where would the desire be to like do better? Like I mean at least with justice, you're like, Well if I do this bad thing, like it's gonna come back on me, whereas if I do this bad thing and I just receive mercy every time, it's like I can do whatever I want and I know I'm going to be forgiven for it. The moral compass becomes void.
0: Like what's the point? I mean, you think about like a spoiled child. Yeah. Like a a spoiled child that just gets whatever they want and, you know, their parents never correct them ever. It's like that's kind of like a world of mercy without justice. Now let's talk about what is what would a world with justice without mercy look like? Harsh Harsh is a is a great word, yeah. And so we've got to kind of like if if God is a God that's worthy of worship, um, we have to sort of always be wrestling through this balance of justice and mercy. And I think we naturally will will kind of lean one way or the other. And so it's always sort of our, I think wrestling is a good term is, it's you know, wrestling through like, okay, what is the right decision in this situation? And, and it's not, I don't, I think what you find in revelation, what you find in life is it's not always that clean, you know? And so that's where the, the word true comes in because, you know, if we're judging, have to judge something, or we have to make a decision something we are only we only can go off of our information that we have right and we all have a limited amount of information because we're finite beings you know you no one can know everything because we're not we don't reside in the minds and hearts of everybody and so like you know even think about like our justice system and courtrooms like People get falsely accused in our justice system. People get falsely sentenced. Some people who deserve harsher judgments don't get judgments because, you know, there's a way to manipulate information and there's a way. So, so this is a contrast here saying that, you know, what, what you don't see in any of these passages really is like a revolution of people like overthrowing something or a revolution of, of, you know, a call to arms for God's people, you know, pick up your spear, pick up your sword. And you see God is the one with the justice. And so, and obviously God uses humans, but I think um, that is something we've got to wrestle with too is how, you know, do human beings be instruments of God's justice in the world? And that's been something that's been abused a lot throughout history. If you think about just some of the transgressions of holy wars and different things that, so this is a, this is something that I think it's a good kind of like true North sort of compass for us to say, like, just as a reminder, the one who can judge perfectly is God because God does have all the information. If God is, omniscient he knows everything that he's able to see into the hearts of every human being and so you you can trust in that judgment um so through that then it says he's condemned the great prostitute and we've talked about um sort of the if, if you think about the bible as a story of the bride and the groom and the bride is all of God's people and the groom is God or Jesus from it's this theme that kind of runs from Genesis to revelation all throughout the scripture. If you think about that's like the main focus, well then the prostitute is a temptation to infidelity, a temptation to swerve from that committed relationship. And especially in this culture that they're finding themselves in, uh, you know, monogamy was not that big of a deal in ancient Greece. You know, you could be married to somebody but also have something on the side and nobody really thought much of it. That doesn't mean people's feelings might not get hurt. It does not, might not be jealousy. But legally speaking, you know, there it happened all the time. It was pretty casual. And so that's the contrast, too, to say, hey, this, like, God's heartbeat is monogamy. Heart, God's heartbeat is... Uh, you know, commit people committed to one another, and the focus on that, and so, um, so that's why, like, kind of the world system that distracts you from this relationship is is described as a prostitute, and this corrupt, and corrupts the earth by her adulteries. Um, avenge on her the blood of a servant. So just kind of talking about that, you know, there has been a great cost that this system has kind of lashed out amongst God's people, and so God has taken care of that. Um, I was going to make a really cheap corny joke, but I'm not going to. So. Do it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I was just going to say maybe Jesus Christ was the first Avenger, not Captain America. <laughs> but see, it was bad. I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad you got that off. Here. <sighs> yeah, it's just I shouldn't say everything that comes to my mind. Anyway, uh, we should get edit that one out. Um, anyway, um, so get the verse get the first three, and um, we get to the smoke. And what what do you think is going on there? Verse three, it says, Hallelujah, the smoke goes up from, go, for, the smoke from her goes up forever and ever."
5: Why? Why do you think
0: that? Forever detail, and ever, too. Like,
5: I just feel like that's a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Any. 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 I think that's a good insight. That it's a lot. Um. What might be? What might? What? Why might that detail be important?
1: If Rome is represented as the prostitute going up in smoke forever and ever, kind of mocking the. Rome's gonna stand forever, sort
0: of. Yeah, that's for sure a part of it, for sure. Um,
3: if it's infinite, it's also part of that. Um, like the continuous defeat has always been defeated. You see remnants of the defeat, kind of that we've been seeing throughout Revelations.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really just it's 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 basically an indicator like this is not coming back. Like this is done, like it's on fire, and it's going to stay on fire like it's not like um, which makes something that's coming up um, in the next chapter kind of confusing, but that is the point of the smoke goes up forever and ever it's like this is a this is a definite end to this whole system that's being set up in opposition to the kingdom of God it is been overthrown permanently. And then you go back to verse four: 24 um, elders, four living creatures fell down and worshiped God. Um, what does that remind you of? Something we've talked about a couple times earlier in this, in this study this summer. Where have we seen that before? And it
2: happened earlier in the
0: book. Yeah. I can't remember exactly. What was earlier, the location but... of the 24 elders? And the four living creatures. Uh, they're in the throne room, right? Where is the throne room? In heaven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're cutting sort of between, <laughs> like, that the scene incredible. on Earth. Like, the scene. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's sort of like a, a film cutting between, like, what's happening on Earth, what's happening in heaven, cutting back and forth. Uh-huh. And so, like, you see, like, this thing's happening. There's, like, a celebration. in. Again, like this roar of a great multitude, Well, it's a great multitude in heaven, right? At the very beginning, verse nineteen, and again, that's a comfort because at the time they're not a great multitude, you know. So, like this is going to be successful. This this expansion. There's going to be many more people that are going to follow this message. Um, so they have they're they're cheering. You get the. And by the way, this is something that Pastor David mentioned to me in his study that I didn't catch in mind. So the 24 elders, when you had a Caesar coronated in the Roman Empire, there were 24 elders of the Roman Empire that would like verify the coronation of it. Of so again, it's like it's there's all this comparison of like which is the real the real one, like basically saying like the one you see here in Rome is like a shadow of the real thing, so that's something that that goes over and over there again, so um that's something that kind of showed up in his um showed up in his his uh study that I didn't catch in mind but that's a it's kind of interesting detail there um so you go back again um Kind of re- recapping this, then I heard a, it sound like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, loud peals of thunder. There's a lot of power. There's a lot of enthusiasm. Hallelujah for the Lord, God, our mighty reigns, which means Caesar doesn't. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. Now here is where we start getting some foreshadowing. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. And so if you think about... Genesis being like the beginning of a courtship between is the groom pursuing the bride, the wedding day is coming now very close. And notice how the bride is um, described. Fine linen, bright and clean. So... um very different from the prostitute who is dressed in crimson, who is dressed in, you know, these darker colors. Um, this is somebody who's completely pure, been purified, and and you know, even much, even though it says has made herself. I mean, it's the image of like if you think about a you know a wedding day and a bride's like in their room and they're putting their dress on, and they're doing their makeup and they're kind of getting themselves all all ready to go. Um, it's the idea that. Um, this bride has been made clean by what Jesus has done, really. That's the reason why. And so it says, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper. These are the true words of God. And it's interesting, this detail at the end of this little passage, that this is a, a, an angel that's kind of reporting this, right, in verse 9. And John gets so excited, he starts he bows down to the angel. He's angel's like, wait. I'm not God. It's interesting that that detail is in there. It's almost just like to recap, hey, don't be tempted. Even though this is a really cool moment, like I'm not God. I'm just the messenger. And I think that's a good um, kind of a good caution for us because that's been something that the church has tended to do throughout history is like, you know, we talk about, you know, people being saints, like really good Christians being saints. And it's one thing to like to acknowledge that there's been like exceptional people who have followed Christ. But when you begin sort of like venerating them as like they're sort of above everybody else, that's where it's and – and you do, right? You see in different cultures like shrines to different saints or different – it's like we just got to be careful about not offering worship to, to someone who's not God. I think that's something that, and so that's probably part of what's going on. Is like, like us just be careful. Even though angel, I mean, an angel would be if an angel came into this room right now, we were able to see an angel. We'd be it'd be very impressive to us. It'd be, I mean, even like if you think about um, the Christmas story, you know, the angels meet the shepherds out while they're tending their flocks, and they're like so amazing that they're terrified, like they're so impressive. They're not like these little baby cherubs. They're like you know, these huge imposing figures that are create a sense of awe and fear and so it's easy to get caught up at the moment and be like, Oh wow, I need to just and, and so but it's again just reinforcing like the only one that's worthy of our worship is is Jesus, is, is God alone. So then going from there, getting to verse eleven, I'm gonna read the rest of nineteen. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword, which is to strike down the nations he'll rule them with an iron scepter he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God almighty on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written king of kings and lord of lords and i saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice and to all the birds flying in the air come gather together for the great supper of god that you may eat the flesh of kings generals and the mighty and the mighty of horses and their riders and the flesh of all people free and slave great and small that I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured and with it the false prophet who performed signs on its behalf. And with these signs he had deluded those who received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur and the rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider and the horse and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh.
3: Okay.
2: How lovely.
0: Questions, mm. thoughts.
3: All
2: right.
0: <laughs> Such a roller coaster. <laughs> Such a roller coaster. What's uh? What are, what are you thinking over there?
2: <laughs> well, the writer is obviously uh, very powerful. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Yep.
2: Why is it
4: that it says like he has a name written on him that no one knows but himself, and then like a sentence later it,
0: like, told it you tells you his name yep he knows, now, he knows so I'm going to just say that there are parts of this but especially the next chapter that are like a couple of like huh moments <laughs> like, like really I mean especially um, there's a part in um, coming up in 20 that is probably the most disputed like disputed in the sense of the most disagreed upon passage in all on all of the whole of the Bible. So I'm not going to be the one to tell you this is a, precisely what it means because if there are a whole bunch of people that are way smarter than me that have been debating this for a very long time, I'm not going to sit here and say, "But I have the answer." Friends.
4: I I like, it's very much like that to- like when you're talking to a friend, and you're
3: like, "I found this out,
5: but I can't tell you," and they're like, "Okay, okay, fine, I'll tell you." <laughs> <laughs> I will say i find it encouraging just at the spot i'm in in my life about the false prophet like being brought to justice i feel like um i don't know the correct way to say this i don't know i just (laughs) struggle with watching evangelical christians like put all of their faith into one person or like a leader that holds a lot of power and influence who maybe doesn't make their best choices or um yeah treat people how I would say they should be treated yep. so I think that when you watch an entire group of people who say that they know the word of God follow that person is scary to me I think we may have misstepped and so it's kind of nice seeing here that like those things that someone might say do have repercussions even if we don't see them at the time yeah like if we see them get a lot of glory right now that doesn't mean that's how their story ends
0: but I think that that's a really good observation um because, I mean, that's something that I was talking about yesterday in the sermon is that whenever we get tempted into Jesus plus, yeah, like that is a recipe for disaster. And Paul actually spends, if you go back to the book of Galatians, Paul spends a lot of time like going at people that are trying to do Jesus plus Judaism, like follow Jesus, but then also be circumcised and also follow these food laws and also do all these things. And he's like, no, if it's, it can't be Jesus plus It's just Jesus. As soon as it's Jesus plus, it's not the gospel anymore. And so, um, yeah, that is for sure a good observation. And I think that's where I just recommend a lot of humility because I think, you know, the, the irony of ironies for us, I think, is sometimes the people who feel like they are the most equipped to point out a false prophet are the ones who have been deceived. So, I mean, you think about like the first century Jews and how many of them rejected Christ. They knew scripture. They had been taught it. I mean, literally the education of young Jewish boys is learning the Bible, is learning the Old Testament. They memorized it. So how tragic is it for them to have spent all of that time learning and then Jesus shows up and they don't even recognize him? So, I think we just have to have a lot of humility, like to, and a lot be open to being challenged, I guess what I'm saying. Like, open to being like, yeah, I might be wrong about this, or I might be getting led astray by this. We were, the image that I used yesterday in my sermon is I mean, imagine essentially in, in the letter to the church at Thyatira, there is, we talked about this weeks ago, but we didn't get into this great of depth, that there's this prophet. Uh, female prophet that the, that Jesus calls Jezebel, which is probably just like a, a type, not necessarily her name, but that's leading this church astray, and it's it's really like the parallel of if you had if you had a wedding happening and you have a bride and a groom, kind of like staring at each other, and 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 the groom is like saying his vows, meanwhile like one of the wedding parties is like whispering into the bride's ear, saying like, well, you can do this, but I'm gonna set you up with this other guy, like. Like go ahead and get married to this guy, but I've also got somebody else you really got to meet. And like if that was happening, like, we would be furious, right? Like we would not be cool. With, like we would not be cool with that. And so that's really what's going on, um, not only here, but that has happened throughout history. There have been moments, and continue to be moments where the church is really. And so we just we just have to, I think, always come back and say. What who what is the character of Jesus? What is Jesus like? What is What did Jesus say? The greatest commandment. Is? The greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, and love your neighbor as yourself. If there is a voice that's leading you to to not love God, and not love others, then we gotta really ask some questions because that's what Jesus is about. And so, yeah, that's that's the. So it's a good, it's a good insight. Um, who do you think the, who's on the horse? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Sunday so school answer works on this. I was like, it's a 50-50 shot. <laughs> What's the other
0: 50? <laughs> well, same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. So, um, so yeah, um, <laughs> it's, it's,
2: it's <laughs> <day real.
3: laughs>
0: so a couple things with this. First of all, if you think about, go back to the description of Jesus in the first chapter, you have the eyes of blazing fire and you see that again, that shows up also in the letter to Thyatira, um, um, he talks about a crown, many crowns. You know, this is really like the opposite. You know, we've talked about the beast having all kinds of horns and crowns and stuff like that. And this is like, okay, this is the real. Those are all pale imitations of the real deal. He's faithful and true. He, he has justice. His eyes are like blazing fire. He's got crowns. Um, his robe. Now, this is interesting. Verse 13, he's dressed in a robe dipped in blood. And his name is the Word of God. So, John, who wrote this, also wrote the Gospel of John. Does anybody know how the beginning of without turning there in your Bible? Does anybody know how the in beginning? The beginning was
5: the Word, and the Word was both God,
0: and the Word was God. And who was the Word? Jesus, Jesus right? Jesus. <laughs> that was <wrote> so. So John's the one, he writes his, actually, he probably wrote his gospel after this. So he wrote this, okay. and then he wrote his gospel, like, like probably pretty shortly before he dies. Okay. Um, and um, so he's sort of, like, tying up things. But, but John is the only one who writes about Jesus as, like, the, the God before all of creation. like. Everybody else talks about Jesus being born or the beginning of his mm-hmm. ministry. John actually goes back to like the beginning of time and talks about like this bigger picture of Jesus. Oh, um, it's too hard for my
3: little human brain. Dude. I love yeah. the book of John. Whenever it's like, how long is? Just like God's
1: existed forever. <laughs> just,
0: forever. What <laughs> just happened before forever. that? <laughs> I just I hate that that my thought just so boring I just love how John
4: writes because like. Here we see in faith, like, how
0: he puts in parentheses just, like, little references, and he's like, hey, here's a bone. <laughs> i throw, throw you a bone. Because <laughs> <laughs> he
4: does that in the Gospel of John as well, occasionally.
0: Mm-hmm. And I love that. <laughs> so it's interesting that the word, like, the word in John 1 is an instrument of creation. But the word in this passage is an instrument of destruction. So it's interesting. It's interesting how oh my god, I got a note for that. One. <laughs> um, and the robe dipped in blood. So there's a couple of different interpretations on this, but probably, you know, the the probably the the best one you could go with is just that it's his blood. Mm. You know, like. You were tempted to think, like, this. we got this gory, like, war scene. So it's like, he's killed so many people that his blood, his robe is covered with blood. It's like, well, no, it's, it's his blood. And that's why he can defeat this evil is that he's paid the price on the cross. And that gives him the right to have victory over. He broke that virus of sin that's in all of creation. And so that and so the other interpretation that um, has some some merit too, I think is just it's also representative of of the martyrs, the ones who have been killed. And so it's like I'm here sort of like taking care of the wrong that had been done to my people, which again sort of been a very encouraging word to that oppressed group of of early Christians. And so um so the interesting thing about all this, you have this whole build up of like Jesus, and he's got the sword coming out of his mouth. There's all these armies, but did you notice there's no actual fight? Mm-hmm. And the fights actually never like in. It's never like, you know, if you think about like really good like Lord of the Rings, right? They have this like huge. You know, Helm's the Battle of Helm's Deep, they have this huge, like massive army coming towards the wall. Do you think maybe Oh it's gonna fall and then you know Gandalf comes over the ridge and there's this you know, the sun comes behind his head and there's like this triumphant Reagan doesn't know what we're talking about. Oh no. I own
3: the movies.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I the I, I I I have to them. Wrap up revelation. We watched Lord <laughs> of the Rings. I I have them in
4: four K. So oh, movie, <laughs> night and I movie,
0: movie night at Tom's. Movie
2: night in Tom's side yard. Give uh, a projector <laughs> right on the house.
0: <laughs> um. But anyway, like nine hours, hours. this is this is <laughs> not. Oh, but you don't want to watch <laughs> This this is. I don't want to either. Um,
2: let's <laughs> do it. Um,
0: this is not anything that's in doubt. Like that's the that's the point of this, this whole passage. It's not like, ooh, it's the army of heaven versus the armies of hell. What's gonna happen? Like, no. Like this is this is Jesus and He's all powerful. And um if you think about um Verse uh fifteen where it talks about coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword. Well, this is called the word of God is a sword, right? So that's that's what that imagery is. It's it's it the message has the power to pierce your heart, to to bring you to conviction. And so this message is going to lay waste to all of the untruth that this that this whole movement has been about. And I mentioned this yesterday in my message too. the Iron scepter is contrasted against, and you see this, I think it's like Daniel 7. uh, It's in Daniel. There's all these different nations, and they're all different, uh, made out of different kinds of material. But they all get smashed under the iron rod. They're not as strong as iron. So it's just, again, it's like this is a kingdom that is not going to be stopped. It's not going to end. Um, He's the king of kings and lord of lords. That should have been a good clue for you guys, for context clues in verse 16. Um, And so the whole, like, so it gets kind of, you're like, it's kind of gross, like the whole, like, birds gorging themselves. But it's really just this idea is like, this is not, evil has no chance. Like, as soon as Jesus is on the scene, it's like, clean up an aisle five because, like, like, Everybody's dead. like <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all, it's all over. Like there's no question. There's no, like, it's not a 15 round boxing match. Like this is just, it's over before it's begun kind of a thing. That's really the, the image of that is just like, they don't have a chance. Now, the thing that's interesting in here, I think is verse, and then verse 18, it says, you may eat the flesh of kings and generals and the mighty. So you think, okay, that's fair enough. The king's. The generals and the mighty, they're the ones who are propagating this. But it also says, all people, free and slave, great and small.
5: Yeah, what's up with that?
0: What is up with that? What do you think? What do you, what, what is, what's the question behind the question there, Haley? Like, what are you, what are you struggling with?
4: Like, is it me? What's that? <laughs> is it me? <laughs> is it you? <laughs> yeah.
0: Why would you think it's you? All people of what of what of the uh
2: the beasts and kings armies
0: of the of, there it is. of the kingdom of the world, right?
2: Yeah.
0: Okay. So, so, just so like so
2: we are not part of that. As long as I don't accidentally s You just show
3: me Oh
0: no. Okay. What were the colors? What were our team colors? Oh whoops. Uh, oh my god. I, I didn't realize yeah, we were Tennessee, in white. You're like,
3: Where are you?
5: Oh. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't realize we <laughs>
0: were wearing the white uniforms. We're uh, not the away team. Okay. Uh, okay. So, yeah, no, you this is But but to realize like you have even people like that get wrapped up in this, like even even those who are at the bottom. And and you got to remember I think it's
5: scary to think that like my neighbor could be like one of these people that suffers such a, a violent end.
0: Well, and so I wouldn't know it. that's a really good, so that's a really good, um, let's talk about that for a minute. Okay. A really <laughs> really like that. Here's where I
5: come from with that is like we're, our greatest commitment is to love the Lord God with all we have, but then also love our neighbors. So when we love our neighbors so much, like that hurts a little bit to hear like that might be the end that they saw.
0: Well, and so I think it's a fair, I, so this is the challenge of, I think, wrestling with the truth of scripture when we live in an environment where we've really made faith be like, well, you know it's it's whatever mm. you know, um because you know we no we've seen a lot that have been done to as a as a result of Christians, right being like really hateful and being the opposite of Jesus towards people, but it's also like there's some truth to if we if we take this seriously there is like an exclusive claim that's made in the scripture of like, and so like we are often hesitant to talk about our faith with those who don't follow Jesus because it's like, well, I don't want to offend anybody, but like you also could be saving their life. There's
5: like an urgency
0: to it. And so that's the challenge. So the challenge, and we talked about this on our mission trip with the high school kids last week. I think we put too much emphasis on, like, talking people into the kingdom of God. Like, that's the thing. It's like, oh, i got to share my faith. It means, like, I have to sit down with Reagan and have all these arguments. And if I can give her the right arguments, she's going to agree and decide to become a Christian. But has anybody ever seen that, like, actually happen? Absolutely
5: no. Just- I've seen the opposite of how, like, harmful it is. And then they go and... Talk
0: about how much the church has hurt them and they don't want nothing to do with it after they've had an interaction. Right. So I think, like, just like anything else in your life, you really have to earn the right to, like, be heard by somebody. I don't think you even start the conversation until you have demonstrated that you are, like, that you really mean this. That, that the God of love and God of grace and God of mercy, but also the God of justice that you're also about those things and you are living that life out. And I'm not to say, I'm not trying to say like you have to have things perfect. Cause I also think there's a testimony in that. I think there's a testimony in saying like, I screw up a lot and it's only because God is merciful with me that I even have a shot. I also think that is a testimony, I think, some, I think sometimes we built it up to be like, okay, when I get my life together in like 20 years, then I'll talk about Jesus. Spoiler alert, you're not going to have your life together in 20 years. You just, you're just you not. Sorry, Reagan. You're not going to have it all together. Uh, there's always going to be stuff that you're trying to figure out. There's always going to be. So I think that is the thing that we have to wrestle through is like, how, how does this urgency play in how we live out our lives, how we, throw, how we show love, and how do we, you know, the thing about um, – Christianity and how it spread was that it was such a contrast. I think the hard thing when you look at just and you probably could just affirm this, but when you look at like there's been so many, you know, studies that have been done in America about people's perceptions of the church and the, you know, the the number one beef is like, well, it doesn't look a whole lot different. Doesn't look a whole lot different than everything else. So what's the point? Like, why would I follow that if you're just as much of a jerk and you're just as greedy and just as selfish and just as abusive and and you have just as much, you know, why What's the what's the appeal? So I think that is part of the the, the charge of the Book of Revelation is to say, okay, how do we, by the power of the Holy Spirit and in, in, in community, how do we? create you know live out this community in a way that the the rest of our culture goes like i want that because that's what was happening in this culture is that it was such a contrast like a positive contrast that people were like man christians are just different and like a good different and i want to i desperately want that and we have so lost that and that's where you do see in in other places in the world like china and like Um, India and stuff like that. Like, I mean, if you're in India and you're born into the caste system and you're on the bottom of the caste system, which tells you, you know, you have no value. And then you have a Christian missionary that tells you your life has worth because you're created in the image of God. That's a contrast, right? That's like, I want that. Like, I don't have, you mean I don't have to be stuck and hope to be reincarnated up? Like, and so in a thousand years I can maybe reach, you know a state of nirvana like you, i actually there's this thing called grace and so that's why you see christianity flourishing in some of these other places and in places like in the west it's not because we've made it to be such a like prison it's so it's like the shackles of faith like this is what i can't do if i follow jesus verse of like jesus saying i've come to give you life and life abundantly like what is that abundant life when when And so that's just, I think, just a a challenge I would give to you all is, like, you know, hopefully this does create a little sense of urgency of, like, how do I live this out? How do I live my life in such a way that it makes people curious to say, I want to know more about why Reagan is the way she is or Carter is the way he is. Like, I want to – I'm super curious because, like – you know, as a first grade teacher, Reagan just seems to care so much and love so much. And I think that's also the struggle we have, right? Because we know people who don't follow Jesus, who seem a whole lot more like Jesus than the Christians that we know sometimes, you know? And so that's the other struggle for us, I think, is like, like, why is that the case? Why, you know, it really shouldn't be. But unfortunately, we have lowered the bar so far on what it means to be a Christian that it's like, well, I could do that without Jesus. And it's like, we should be so different that it's like, I need that. I need what you've got. So that's just a challenge for us not to be like a shaming thing because the reality is like it's only possible through God's help. I think when we are – we tend to want to be individualistic, self-sufficient people. Like, I got this. I don't, God, I'll, I'll let you know if I need you, but I'm, I'm, I got it. And then when our life's falling apart, that's when we run to Jesus and say, Help, help me. It's like if we, if we can find that spot of like being open to say, God, I, I need you. I need you into my life because I think there's, there's, there's where it's attractive. Is that, does that sort of make sense to you guys? Um, but this is, the, this is the challenge of some of this stuff. So, okay. Now we're going to get into. Anybody else have any other questions about before we go into 20? Okay. Now we're going to get into um, a passage that is very confusing. So just... Buckle up. Just... Oh,
3: yeah, we've talked about this
0: one. Before. I'm not going to be super definitive, but I'm going to give you some viewpoints. Come on, Tom, and, where's
3: the
4: fun in that? Let's stir some stuff up. No. <laughs> I want to hear your interpretation and then I'll decide if I agree with it or not. Well, okay. Let's okay. Oh, okay. Great. Let's have
0: a debate. Okay, well, here we go. <laughs>
3: Let's have a
0: debate. I, I don't want to because I'm not sure. I'm <laughs> so. Um, can that be my opinion? I'm, I'm not sure. That's my opinion. It's my opinion. Is <laughs> right? well, like you have to take a it be? <laughs> so, well, okay, let me just read. I'm, we'll read this. Confusion? <laughs> we'll, we'll read this, then we'll get into it. All right. So, and, and I saw uh, an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He sees the, he sees the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan. Just so you're not confused. He uses every name.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, John. And
0: and, and bound him for a thousand years. Oh. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended.
5: Wait. After that,
0: he must be set free for a short time. This is why it's confusing. So I thought we were at the end. So I saw saw thrones on which... um, were seated, who had been given authority to judge, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had worshipped; they had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or, or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until a thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them. But they will be priests of God and of Christ, and will reign with him for a thousand years. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison, will go out to deceive the nations into the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, and to gather them for battle. In number, they are like the sand on the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loved. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into a lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever.
3: Okay. Yeah, we had a whole thing in youth group about, I don't know what year it was, but you were like, this is the worst. And then you brought it up to us, and then you were like, why was he released? Let's talk about it. (laughs) And I "I remember that. like, why did they release him again? And we were all like, ugh, you know, at like 13 or whatever, ready to rumble. The
4: first three verses give me, like, imagery of, Greek mythology. Yeah. It's like, there was the whole thing of Zeus locking up the Titans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. And then I had, and then I pictured the beginning of, uh, Hercules.
2: Like, back yeah. when the world was new. I thought we were at the list. end.
0: So, yeah, so, let's, like, let's, let's discuss. Uh, <laughs> Oh, good. What does it make sense?
2: That he, to me... <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, all, oh, everything. Uh, everything. To me, that he... It says, um, he was locked away to keep him from deceiving the nations until the thousand years was up. After that, he must be set free. Like, why must he? Like, God could have just said, said no... <laughs> <laughs> Like, he is, like, it feels like he's still giving him second chances, third, fourth, mm-hmm. whatever.
3: Do you think he would make us weak, God? Did you bring him back out? Well, I'm like,
5: <laughs> what's, what's happening?
2: happening my weak
3: bones?
5: What's <laughs> happening on the earth for these thousand years? Because it's like everyone else has already been brought to justice,
4: so what is there to be done?
5: Are we just hanging There's out?
1: next injustice, and so the release would be kind of another cycle of coming back around and realizing injustice.
5: So is this his absolute ultimate last
3: chance? But is anyone still alive, other than his people? Are
1: people enjoying themselves? (laughs)
3: themselves? (laughs) The thousand years! Um, Wait, so are people enjoying themselves, or are they just ignorant? I think these are the people who,
2: like, halfway believed. (laughs) We're like, kind of. I know. Tom's enjoying us
4: struggle. Is I'm, it? Enjoying us struggle. I'm enjoying Why us struggling. Why would this be disputed just so much? <laughs> it's so clear cut.
5: <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's a clear cut question,
2: though, cut. maybe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Here's a clear cut <laughs> question. I'm not, not. Sure. I'm not. I don't sure.
5: know. We're talking a lot about the mark of the beast, right, in Revelation. Sure. So, but a lot of people have this mark. So, like, if you maybe were one of the world first in your life, and you had the mark of the beast, and then you found Jesus, does the mark of the beast get replaced by the mark of Jesus?
0: So if you've taken the mark of the beast, essentially, it's not a literal mark. The mark of the beast is just saying, like, I give my allegiance to the kingdom of the world, not the kingdom of God. So that's like, you've made, not really. Like, you've made that decision. Like, that's (laughs) the, you've given your allegiance to, like, in your heart, kind of like, that's... And is that just,
4: like, when you get to the point of just renouncing jesus and saying like right right
0: like. so
5: it's not like when we make a sin
0: no no no, no, no. <laughs> make a sin it's kind of like making it it's kind of like making a stinky <laughs> you
4: made a boo-boo <laughs> now you're just,
3: going
4: home. <laughs> <laughs> no Haley, that's like a that's a very valid question because i also just like
0: <laughs> well, that's the thing about real? revelation. I think scares the crap out of people. No pun intended. Um, is that is that um, we are all so nervous of like, don't take the COVID vaccine because that's us. Mark of the beast, and even like, <laughs> and
2: even, are yeah. you safe? Don't guess?
4: Guess? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Do you yes. Yes. It in. Yeah. yeah. Make you basically And they're also the saying that Or like, like
0: cashless yeah. currency is the mark of the beast oh, oh and God. so don't use any because they're talk they're they are talking about a microchip that can be implanted that has all your bank information that you just scan your hand and they're like, Well that's the mark of the beast and so there's all every time something like this comes up it's the mark of the beast, it's the mark of the beast it's the mark of the beast. <laughs> don't drink any
2: monster energy. Well it's and it's the funny like beast. um it's Natural funny even <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, I love that, I've watched that over this and over. It's funny. Even even Dan Morrison was like joking. He's like, oh I got the COVID vaccine in my other arm to like nullify the effects of the mark of the beast, so that I'm I'm good. Just like your right hand. He's like, I got it in my left, just to be safe. <laughs> <laughs> I got it in both arms. <laughs> <laughs> one in each. Yeah, I did. I got one in one. I've literally <laughs> not heard that. No,
4: but Is so that the microchip
5: theory?
1: They're saying yeah, the
5: microchip yeah, is yeah. the mark.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so this oh, has well, been. So so like sort this of, is like,
4: like – well, and what I've heard about it is that they're interpreting it as like people are trying to trick you into getting the
0: mark of the beast. Right. <laughs> like, and so this <laughs> is a complete – yeah. it's a complete misunderstanding of what John's trying to say. Okay. This is not something – I mean you can be deceived into following the ways of the world, but like mm-hmm. you can't um, – you, you're ultimately like the mark of the beast is – is basically a sim- symbology of saying like, I live for this. Okay. I live for this way because the forehead was something that like you couldn't miss. That's why they talk about it being on your forehead. It's like, you know, if you think about somebody getting a tattoo across their forehead, it's like, I want you to see it. I don't want you to miss it. This is what I'm about. I and mean, you think about like a baseball cap that has like a logo. Yeah. You put it on the front because you want everybody to see. That's that's who you support, right? It's the same idea, and so, and so, <laughs> so.
4: I just cannot stop laughing at the idea of like,
3: gotcha. <laughs> so uh, I'm horribly disturbed so... that this is a real conversation. Yeah. Really, really, it loses it. There aren't many things that you can lose faith in, like just people in general. But this is one of them. It's like, but Margaret the Beast. But why would? You...
0: Anyway. So, so here's, I'll give you a couple ways that this has been. Interpreted. Okay, cool. So this is um, with the millennium, the thousand years. There's three main ways that this has been interpreted in in history. It's it right there. <laughs>
3: it's uh, so obvious.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah, really yeah, it's right there. It's, it's
0: right there in the Bible. Bible. On oh, the Bible,
2: okay. It's right there in the Bible. So let's,
0: Wait, see, see, right? how let's see how I do. See how I do. So yeah, the study Bible yeah. we gave for uh, oh, I for I confirmation. I didn't a
5: joke, but, okay.
4: No, it's yeah. in
5: there.
0: We probably have extra ones. I want one. I got
4: one as a leader
0: because I you know I know one. One. I'm um, one. So. Um, The whole idea, the question is, is this an actual thousand years or is this like a figurative thousand years? Is it an actual period of time? Obviously, my approach to it, all the numbers that we've talked about up until this point have been figurative, so it would be weird if all of a sudden at the very end of the book, now you have a literal one, right? So. I approach it as a figurative thing, but th- I will tell you there were a bunch of Christians in 1,000 A.D. that were, like, ready to roll. They thought, <laughs> all right. <laughs> they were like, all right, 1,000 years. Like,
4: well,
0: let's go. Uh, like uh, Y2K. Only. Yeah, yeah or, the, or Y2K, yeah. Y1K. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so there are premillennial, which would say we are living in a time... Before this thousand-year period, that, there, that the thousand years is a literal, like, a literal reign of Christ on the earth. Like He's overcome. Like he's obviously in charge. Okay. The world is fundamentally different. It's sort of like a utopian existence where Jesus is like reigning on earth for a thousand years. And it's the people who are following him are following in his leadership. And the world is as it—it's almost like we return to the Garden of Eden, sort of like a glimpse of heaven for a thousand years. Okay. Um, the thing that's weird about that isn't like, why would you mess it up? Why would you just let that go forever? Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and so. And like,
5: if there's no devil, if there's no temptation cause he's caught, then wouldn't everyone follow Jesus?
0: So there's, so, so, so there, that's the question. And then, um, there, be a darn and, and there are, and there are people that that are pre-millennial. So I grew up premillennial. Okay. Um, there are people that would say it's it's literal thousand years. Other people would say it's just a it's a period of time, but it's like a future time when when Christ will reign on Earth in a in a very obvious way. Then there's meaning po-
5: we haven't had that
0: yet. Right, right. Okay. Like it's like it's and they would say a, basically most of this book is all future. Like this is all yeah. stuff that's happening. Then there's post millennial, post millennial. Um, basically, like the long and the short of it is that. Like through our, through our works, like through the works of the church, like we will usher this reign. Like if if Christians do their job, things are just going to get better and better and better and better until it's just it just happens. Like one day you wake up and, and Jesus is here. here it's just it's the way. Like and this was especially popular in the 1800s when um, there were these large like tent revivals in an America and around the world and like people were coming to Christ in droves and they thought we're going to evangelize the whole world in our in our lifetime and like we're going to make it happen. And then World War One happened.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And you don't find many post-millennialists anymore because when you get to the point where really awful things happen and it doesn't seem like things are progressing but to get better and better and better, it's like, oh, shoot, maybe that's not happening but when things are going really great around the world it's like oh yeah this is i think we're we're doing we're doing it guys we're doing it let's let's keep doing it so that's that's kind of possible yeah i feel like you had a question did that start
1: after the civil war you there?
0: so there's yeah it's also like civil war
2: <laughs> yeah yeah, 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 yeah
0: so so that's where yeah when you started having some of those conflicts and stuff that's where it's like maybe it's not getting better. But, like, you started having, like, the abolition of slavery, and you started having some of these things that were happening. Um, and so, you, you know, that was kind of why. And then you have an amillennial view, which is, I will say, is my viewpoint. What you call Amillennial. A, it's just a, millennial. Mil-
2: a before millennial. Perfect. And
0: essentially it's just the that it's a Christ is reigning – now like this is but it's not the issue and they're all have their ups and their downs the issue with amillennial is when it talks about Satan being bound and he's kept from deceiving the nations it's kind of tough because I feel like you still see a lot of terrible things happening in the world and I think you, as you were saying earlier, Haley, you see the church being deceived by different things. And so that's the downside to the amillennial view is it's like, well, I, I agree that Christ reigned. I agree that he defeated the powers of sin on the cross. But it doesn't quite seem as, like, hey, these things are, you know, everything's great. Like, so that's the challenge of.
5: So does all-millennial mean? The
0: Earth is only going to like exist for a thousand years? No, it's just basically just it's just basically talking about the 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 uh, you talking about the millennial view? Yeah. It it would say the the thousand is not a literal thousand. Oh, okay. It's just like a okay. an extended period of time where Christ reigns. Got it. And it would say essentially at some point, um, there's going to be a point of real concentrated evil. Like Satan is bad. Like. You think things are bad right now, but this is what the world's like when Satan is bound, and someday he's going to get released for a short period of time, and it's going to be awful, essentially.
4: So the people that are like, "Man, things are getting worse and worse," so Jesus <clears throat> must be coming soon. It, are they fitting under that like millennial?
0: They're probably more pre-millennial, actually. Mm-hmm cuz cuz basically um, the premillennial view it doesn't happen but there's also something called the rapture in which we haven't talked about cuz i don't think it's a good theology but it's what i grew up in and basically the rapture when it when in revelation 4 when it says that john got caught up into heaven so this is like the left behind if you ever heard of the left behind books left behind movies this idea, this idea that someday um, we, it could happen, like, in five minutes. It could happen in 500 years. But Jesus is going to come back and take all the believers with him and leave everybody else, el- leave everybody else here. Like, they're just going to be like, oops. <laughs> like, like, if you follow Jesus, like, you're out. And then all of the judgment stuff that's going to happen is going to happen to everybody who's left on earth. That's,
4: the, that's exactly
0: that's what the I grew up with. That's what I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Just not realizing that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so... Um, and they get that, if you want to know theologically where they get that, they don't get that from the book of Revelation. They get that from 1 Thessalonians. So if you like to turn to 1 Thessalonians, that can outline That's the not
4: even what
2: the, it's not even the right book. Well, that's like <laughs> exactly
5: what Revelation is saying doesn't happen. Yeah. Like
4: people, the Christians are suffering. And that's why at the beginning, God said, if you miss this, you shall be cursed. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Don't read my diary, or you will be cursed. Okay. So, 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, starting in verse 13. Let me read this to you. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you will do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of the archangel, and with a tr- um, trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And, that, and after that, we who are still alive and our left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And so, this idea of like, so we will fly like, like, yeah, at some point we're gonna get we're gonna get beamed up with with the Lord.
4: Anytime like, I have heard about that growing up, like I have, I cannot picture. Well, like what I do picture is people literally just, like, pushing up from their graves and, like, going. And I'm like, is it the bones? Do they magically just, like, rejuvenate? Like, what they look like when they die? Like, that's I can't picture it.
0: Well, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to sidebar on that too much because I, to, I want to deal with the millennial views. <laughs> and the so, so does anybody know what the context of? Uh, so that's one of the proof texts. The other proof texts... Is there's a passage in the Gospels where it talks about someone will be working in the field, one will be taken, one will be one will be left. Um, two people will be working, one person will be taken, one will be left. Um, and I don't have that re- reference off the top of my head, but that's like that's the rapture. We're talking about the rapture with the First Thessalonians pa- passage. Does anybody know there's a there's a there's some cultural context there? And if you if you know this, I'm going to be very impressed because I didn't know it until very recently. Very recently, being like in the last twenty years of my life. I got nothing. With the what? what the the cultural background of this First Thessalonians like meeting the Lord in the air kind of a thing? Looking at your notes. Yeah, I mean, it just
4: can I just read what it what? says? Sure. Because I don't know if this really answers it, but it says the Bible sometimes uses the word asleep to describe people who have died. True. In this context, Paul was answering a question the Thessalonians had asked what of people who died before Christ's second coming would they be left behind? Paul assures them that all people in Christ who would would have an afterlife with him, not just those still alive when he returned.
0: Right. That and that's true. So the imagery is this. It goes back to this wedding imagery. In Jewish culture, when um when when the wedding day would come, the groom would come into town. And when the groom got to, the groom and the kind of the the best man and all that that the groom's wedding party got to the edge of town, the bride's wedding party would go out to the edge of town, and they would walk in to the town together and have the ceremony together. They'd have the they'd have it all together, and so that's the picture of First Thessalonians four is. When Jesus comes back, we get a, we're going to go meet him, but then we come back here to be with Christ forever. And so that's a little bit of spoiler alert for next week, that heaven is not in the air, or heaven is a recreated here.
4: So, like, I could still drive down Quivir to go
1: get Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait. But there'd be no traffic. <laughs>
0: No yeah. line at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. At <laughs> well, cause I so that's what we've
4: been talking about in kids' Sunday school as well, about like the new heaven and the new earth.
0: So oh, so let's keep going for a second.
1: <laughs> so I had a conversation about this concept of shalom and you're talking Genesis one through ten and like God wanted us to be co creators of creation and Shalom is also translated as right relationship.
0: Um, so, i totally lost. My <laughs> well, it's it's right relationship, but it's also putting yeah. things the, the way they're created to be. Yeah. Um,
1: but that the the goal of of God was not to have us end in heaven, but to have everything in right li- relationship on earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that those two things can be both
0: at once. Hold that thought for a second. I'm gonna give you. We're gonna finish this, and I'm gonna give you a little just taster for next week, and you're you're not gonna want to miss next week. I'll be here. <laughs> Thanks. Um. So when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from the prison. He will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog. There's really no consensus on what Gog and Magog is. There are people who have, over the years, have said, well, it's the Soviet Union. It's the... No, I mean, because Gog and Magog were places that were north. You know, once you got north of a certain part of the... They didn't have the world mapped out like we did. They not have satellites, so once they got north, it was just like, and then... The, the wilds somewhere out there, they didn't know. I mean, Columbus thought like he was gonna fall off the end of the earth if he sailed too far, right? They didn't they didn't know yet. Um so, so Gog and Magog are a reference um to something that happens in Ezekiel like 36 through 38. they're there are two nations that are kind of like the epitome of evil because Babylon's done, right? Rome. So essentially so it's the same like. Just because, the, you know, Rome fell, it doesn't mean, like, that's it. There's other evil in the world. And so it's like the, um, is sort of like the end of all of the, the rest of the evil. And they gather around, and you notice that, um, you know, it looks like very, this is like a Helm's Deep situation. They march across the breath of the earth. They surround the camp of God's people the city Love's. Then fire came down from heaven and devoured them. Candle <laughs> so, is the fire. <laughs> so, so you know, it, even though there's like this moment of like, oh, they're surrounded, it's like it's very quickly resolved, and that is where Haley, to just relieve your fears, Thanks. this is where the devil who deceived them is thrown into a lake of burning sulfur, which that would stink, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. anybody sm- smelled sulfur, it's like a hot fart He's forever.
4: That smells forever.
0: <laughs> um, and so, all of that—that that whole kingdom—that's all gone. That's all taken care of. So, whatever we say about the millennial thing, it's sort of where I land on it. Is it's sort of like this interlude. I don't quite still get why it's worded the way it's worded because I think it's really confusing about like there's this like reign of christ but then they're like it comes he gets back out again and so that's i'll just be honest like i wrestle with that i may in the q a part on wednesday night ask dan what he's his take on this because i just think it's really it's it's just a it's a very complicated passage um but then um verse 11 then i saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it the, he- the earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. So that's where the earth and the heavens fled from his presence. That means like the way we understand earth, heaven and earth goes away. So essentially when somebody dies right now, they go to be with the Lord. But that's not the that's not the final. Like There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. There's going to be a final. So everyone who has died up until the point that this happens, like they're going to be with Jesus. But... He's going to get a remodel. So... Um, so,
1: so one, something that my mother has struggled with is my grandfather passed away seven or eight years ago and she said, well, his heaven, he would still be with his wife. So how do you reconcile that? So it's like this awesome waiting room
0: So there's a couple ways that you can navigate that. Um... The whole Paul, we read earlier, Paul talks about those who have died have gone to sleep. There is a theory or a theology, it's called soul sleep, which basically says, you know, if you think about, like, when you go to sleep, you don't have any concept of time passing until you wake up in the morning. Like, you don't really know when you wake up. Like, at some point, you just lose consciousness, and then you wake up, and so there is like a kind of this idea that like everyone who has died is asleep, but this is where it gets complicated. <laughs> oh, yeah. If, you know, if time is, you know, if time isn't, is, isn't linear, then they are with Jesus. They're just ahead. They're already there. We got to catch up with them. I mean, it's this whole thing of like, it's, I don't know that we need to spend a ton of time thinking about it because all, all I know is I can confidently as a pastor at a funeral say, you know, grandma is with Jesus. Like, cause I, I believe that like our, our loved ones who fought, who know Jesus, who have passed away, they are experiencing paradise with Jesus right now. Like I believe that. Now, what does that look like? The Bible doesn't tell us a lot about that or how does that work or the timing or any of that? It doesn't so i don't i think it's it would be irresponsible for me to say definitively like this is how it goes just i know they're with jesus somehow so
4: i've always wondered if they're like aware of what's happening on earth like does my mother know what i do and like in my daily life does she know that like today did nothing there's really there's really
0: nothing to state that, except for there is a story of the rich man and Lazarus where a rich man dies who is as cruel to this, this beggar named Lazarus. The rich man ends up in what looks like the holding place of hell and Lazarus is in heaven. He's like begging him to like send him some water because he's like burning up essentially in hell. And it's like, so is that just like a figurative story that Jesus is telling to make a point? Or does that have some semblance of like what's really happening? Okay, a lot has been said tonight. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh.
4: Wow. But, but like, wow, friends. But also,
0: like, there's just I, I, it's the same thing as like the millennium. People have built whole theologies off of this their view of the millennium. I just would say, when when something only shows up once in scripture, it's not that it's like irrelevant. But you know, scripture interprets scripture, and so we just need to hold these these things that are. Show up very briefly and once very loosely, and if, if we find that dominating everything else, I think we've got to be really careful. Um, and the things that we can't say definitively, I think you need to hold really loosely because um, I mean I read four commentaries tonight before I came about this passage, Gosh, and they and they all they all have a little bit of nuance about how they explain what's going on in this these verses right here so. I, so basically, a lot of
5: the basis of my Christianity
3: has been questioned tonight
0: in a good way. But, like, wow. <laughs> a book I would recommend. Uh-huh. Well, hold on. Not done yet. So, <laughs> so before, I there, before I get there. Before I get there. So, Heaven and Earth is gone. No place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and the death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. The death, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, and late, the lake of fire is a second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So, this, believe it or not, these this last passage that I read you is is intended to be hopeful.
2: I can see that. Yeah.
0: How, how can you see that?
2: Because like the book of life is like what you get into when you follow God and Jesus. Like they write your name in the book of life when you give your life to them. Um and so if you're not in there, if you haven't devoted your life to God, then Like you're being thrown in the lake of fire. But, like, since we have, we know that, hey, our name is going to be in there. So we're good. So we're good. But you can
0: still be heartbroken, though, right? If there are people that.
2: "That Yeah.
0: Yeah. So.
4: It's kind of like the naughty or nice list, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) Which I always hated as a kid. I don't like. (laughs) I don't know. But, like, I got a new bike, but my friend over there got a lump of coal.
0: But so, so beyond that, so that I, I think there is something to say, like the book of life, but what else, what else in that passage could be hopeful?
2: That death death were
5: judged. So like they were, they were included in this process. They weren't left behind. Okay. Which we just talked about. Right.
0: And especially the ones who died at sea, because Mm -hmm. again, in in the ancient world, like you were on real shaky, like there was kind of a, a generally held belief that like, you're in real shaky, shaky ground. If you, if you die at sea, like, and your body gets eaten up by the fishes, like, do you get to go anywhere? Like what happens to you? Is and so this it's like, the
5: same like, belief
0: that we've carried into the modern century of if you get cremated. There is. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know
3: about that. Is there a belief on
0: that? Well, yeah, there are some people that say like, yeah, you shouldn't get cremated. Cause then like, what, what are you going to do? What's going to happen after you die? And it's, and, Again, we're gonna, we'll are gonna we get into it next week. It's
5: you, my mom's do. one of her
4: biggest fears in life. Yeah, no. She refuses to be cremated. My, yeah,
0: Tell her I'm going to get cremated. Oh,
4: okay. My mom okay. refuses well. to get yeah. cremated as well. And I think she, well, because her mindset is she thinks it feels as though you're getting burned in hell. Okay. But you're down. <laughs> yeah. But, but you can't dead, feel anything. Like, yeah, that's what, it reminds her of that. And that's why she doesn't want to be
2: cremated.
3: Okay. I want to be <laughs> I would like to oh
0: take my God, all my organs. Um, For well you can do that and then be cremated eventually. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, you can also be turned
4: into a diamond. You can also be turned
5: into
0: a tree. tree. Sorry. Okay. Tree. I want yeah, to be okay. a tree. Okay. 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 Back on track. Sorry, sorry, uh, podcast listeners. This is we've gotten off the rails a little bit. No, <laughs> a tree. Um, so yeah, that was I don't know who said this, but Death dies. There's no, more, there's no yes. more death. Death and
2: Hades die, so there's no more. So,
0: oh. so Hades, Hades in the ancient world is, is like where, the, it's like the holding place for the dead, essentially. That's, yes. that's like, and that comes from like the Greek, you know, that was kind of there, like, when you die, you go to Hades until you find out where you go, kind of a thing. It's like they're well, holding. Because they mentioned that
4: in the Apostles' Creed, like he descended into Hades on the third day
0: he Right. So, and what that means, is like Jesus conquered death. Like he, yeah. he unlocked death, so that that's not your, that's not your final destiny. Like there's hope of to be with God after death. Essentially, what what that's all about. Um, so death is done. People, good news. No more death. Yeah. Um,
3: Well, now
0: nobody has to die anymore. But is that a good thing? I
3: have debates about this in anthropology. You want to talk
0: about um death and why it's good? Well, before we this is talking about the second death, yeah. But so, well, it's all all death. So, spoil. (laughs) So, let me just give you a little bit of a spoiler for next week, and then we'll we'll get into it more fully. This is gonna. Give me all the spoilers. Are you ready for your mind to be (laughs) blown (laughs) a little bit more, (laughs) Haley? Can you take? Can you handle it? (laughs) It's full. Oh, well, yes. okay. <laughs> I give you some. Chapter twenty one. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for oh. the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. What? Now I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. I
5: just a So he is in this guy right
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> That's their.
0: Wait, wait. Like That's their he interpretation. Said,
1: what Sort of in Ethereum, they, it was like heaven, hell. and They, that's the they thought of like, creation in
0: layers. The stars were angels uh-huh. spinning above so them.
5: So, are we saying that's not the case? What
0: we're, 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 right we're saying, yeah. So, the Greek idea picture a different universe, like a multiverse. System.
3: A multiverse?
2: <laughs> I don't know if <laughs> that Well,
3: okay. uh, what kind of gets
2: me in that just one verse is that he says, the first heaven and the first earth had passed away um and then and then and the second verse says and then i saw the holy city coming down exactly. out of heaven exactly and I was like, but heaven what
0: just heaven? died <laughs> but so, there's a new, new heaven It's a new it's new heaven i want new heaven and new
2: <laughs> earth
4: <serious laughs> new
0: you know new jerusalem. jerusalem so <laughs> the, and and just again I'll, I'll go back over this again next week but the new i the new not any seas. anybody know why there's not any see 'Cause the ocean's kinda nice, right? Because I, they I
2: mean, thought that H1. was <laughs> they thought that was hell, right?
0: Not necessarily, not exactly. They
2: definitely
3: thought water. it was bad.
0: What's that? <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Drink water.
0: The the sea the sea is that we're not talking about a body of water. We're talking about chaos. A sea in A, a sea in in biblical language is that's why, like when you remember, remember, when they were in the throne room, it was the sea. The water was calm, as calm as glass. Right? Mm. The ocean's not like that. The ocean has waves. The ocean has chop. The ocean has storms. So, what the a, a Jewish mindset of hearing this is? First of all, that's all they ever like the the, the whole idea of like going up into the sky. That's a Greek idea. Olympus is in the sky with Zeus and all the pantheon of gods. That's like the idea of like you're a disembodied soul going out of a a body shell and going into the sky is a very Greek idea. He he
4: does that in Hercules, the movie. He goes and
3: picks up Meg's soul
0: out of... That's because Hercules is a Greek...
3: Yeah. Could Greek. you
0: make any Less more references? F- to movie, so I like it. <laughs> so so uh, Hebrew a Hebrew physiology or er, is to say you are a soul. Like you're you are a soul. Like there is no like it's not like well like word, if you open you up can you see your soul and they're like no, you are a soul. You are a living soul. Resurrection is not your spirit flies away to be with Jesus. It's that your body is literally recreated. That's why I say it doesn't matter if you're a pile of bones or if you're a bunch of dust. Jesus is going to take that and make that into a perfect new resurrected body. He's going to remake it into a perfect new creation. Like in Cinderella creation. when
2: uh, the, the godmother gives her the... the dress
0: and it like twirls around it'll just twirl around the ashes and make a person
2: are you resurrected as your last form or
4: like do I get to pick what age I was the bible doesn't talk about that may I be a cat maybe I died at 90 but I want to look like
0: I'm 18 well I'll just I'll just just say this the the one resurrected by that we have reference it with is Jesus right he came back as himself he came back as himself but they couldn't but remember they didn't always recognize him right away yeah and he walked through walls. Well, that's
3: funny. Oh. I want that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember
2: where I heard it um, or it when, Jesus but <laughs> I thought that, like, when we went to heaven or, like, when this new earth came or whatever, we were all going to be the same age Jesus was. Like, we're all yeah, just I mean, going to be right, 33. Yeah.
0: yeah. But what happens if you die when you're five?
2: You're just gonna be 33.
0: When you get there. <laughs> so your What would have whatever? Yeah, you look
2: at <laughs> right. <a period laughs> of... <laughs> You're like, 33. Like, like, I thought about like, what she's if people me. like have a like young baby who passes away? because like, that has happened. Right. Like, do they just go to heaven? And they're like, ban they're grown up, they're 33. Like, yeah, I mean, do I
3: they have to, I like Because yeah.
2: otherwise
3: they wouldn't be able to like do anything. I have to a lot of debates over like. Whether or not they even go to heaven, I heard it's not from someone, but it's not as much that they go to hell. I don't really know what Yeah, because I like. heard, i because they're yeah. like,
4: if they're only a, like you know five minutes old and they pass just because of complications, like they didn't, they didn't sin. know, they couldn't, ex- yeah. they, have they you didn't given sin, They right? also couldn't have like accepted Jesus.
1: Yeah. But then, how do you extend that to people who have never heard the word? I've Which literally is why you never thought about that these questions before. That, <laughs> ever. Jesus
4: is, that there's not going to be that second coming, or that end time, or whatever, until everyone has heard the word. Or, like, that's that there's theories. Well, like yeah,
0: I mean, if you go to perspectives. <laughs> um, um.
3: Yeah, but, I don't know, I feel like there, there can be a debate over what the word can be to people. Because there have been, like, talks, I don't know. There's debates no. about everything. Yeah. But it that can't I mean, just throw. A they could have yeah. a word, but is it the truth? we well, would use
0: that about yeah. us too. <laughs> so, so I mean, yeah, we're going in a lot of different directions, <laughs> but wow, really? but no, but it's no, it's really good. I I think. We're gonna baby. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say not that what I say is like the definitive word on it. I mean, I think there's a case to be made that you're accountable for what you know and that you're accountable for what you've had a chance to respond to and what you understand. So I, I would say there's probably, um, you know, a, a grace for those who are like cognitively impaired, you know, who can't, possibly understand or to an infant who dies in childbirth or you know to a baby who's aborted obviously the flip side of that conversation is like well then why don't we just kill all the kids and everybody can go to heaven that's like the that's that's that that.
3: oh oh, absolutely it's like like no it's absolutely it's
0: like well if that's the case then why don't we just kill all the children and then everybody can go to heaven absolutely like, wow, Greg, nice. What a great
3: idea! You're never
0: coming to my um, book again. No, just think. Of, <laughs> just think of, I'm not saying it's a good, but there, can you understand the logic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand because, like,
4: well, the Earth that. wouldn't continue, like, if you kill every single baby. But, like, yeah, then anybody that comes after you, in theory.
0: So, so I'm just saying, like, this is where this stuff gets tricky because the, the kind of the foundational scripture, and it's really only one. So that's why I say you hold it a little bit loosely is um, the baby that David has with Bathsheba in that affair dies dies as an infant or dies in childbirth. And David goes and mourns his child, and then he says, I will see my child again. And so that infers that like he will, when David goes to be with the Lord, that he will see, he'll get to be with his child. So that's where that... That's where that belief comes from. But again, that's only really one spot and it's really not talked about in Scripture. So that's where I'm always hesitant if Scripture is silent on an issue, I'm ha- I'm very hesitant to be dogmatic somewhere where Scripture hasn't given us a lot of information. Especially like, guys, this is the only, like next week, 21 and 22, it's pretty much, and a few parts early in Revelation, it's pretty much all we got as far as heaven's concerned. It seems as if, God doesn't really want us to worry about heaven a whole lot, like to think about and wonder, like what's going to happen and what's it going to be like. It's like, no, nah, you, you just focus on what, what's in front of you. <laughs> focus
4: it's
3: none your business.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and there is, I mean, it next week is real. There is a lot of really beautiful imagery, and it pulls in stuff from the mm-hmm. entire Bible. It is, I mean, it's going to be great. We're going to have a fun time talking about heaven next week, but, um, but yeah, I would say. Back to, you know, you're saying Haley, like this is ro- this is rocking a lot of the stuff that you've heard. Like, yeah, it's this is why it's important, I think, to go through and look at this stuff because so much of our theology gets informed by things that aren't biblical. It's like it's it's you know, we have a lot of Greek myth- mythology in our theology. It has nothing to do with scripture, it's just that's like Oh, we've heard that we're, and then there's there's parts of scripture that talk about the body being a tent, and so I was like, yeah, that's not really. I mean, I remember going to to funerals, and you sort of see like a lifeless body, and say, yeah, that's not them, like they're you know because their soul's gone, and there is something to that, but there is this does matter. Like your body is called a temple of the Holy Spirit. Like there is what this this is this matters still. This isn't just like well, this is totally irrelevant it's just like your soul it's like well your whole thing is, is the soul so
3: i'm curious because i hear things about this a lot i'm not really it's like an older perspective i think recent old so like your parents tend to have it but on the topic of like tattoos and stuff i hear a lot of people who are like fervently opposed to it because they think your body is the temple and i'm like it's not i don't know i don't think that that S- I'm curious.
0: So there is some scriptures that are quoted, but that's more referring to cultures that would like carve things into their body mm-hmm. and and they would be like inscriptions to other gods and stuff like that. Oh, well. <laughs> more it was not so much like body art. It was more like you'd have mm-hmm. tribes of people that would like carve things into their body. They like just kind of like to put a mark on themselves and say I am devoted to this deity and that's more what that's prohibiting instead yeah, of just have body instead <laughs> of like instead not specifically
4: of, saying like Sydney's Colorado
3: tattoo
2: right, <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right it's not saying that like I worship this
3: cat because uh, correct. it's How like correct. on my body. Correct. I was curious about the origin of it primarily because I always hear it but I never know if it's just like a Something that's just been perpetuated just well, through thinking and not as much through scripture. Sure. I
4: hear people talk about like, oh, you don't want to defile your body by doing tattoos, but then I'm like, you have your ears pierced, you poke holes in it. Mm-hmm. I tripped on
3: a twig the other day and bust my knee. I guess I'm going to hell. So,
0: but yeah, I, I think that's also. I mean, not to get too far afield, because we'll get into this next week too, but I think that is where you can make a theological point that, like, creation care is important. Like, if this is going to—obviously, God's going to recreate this to be perfect. So it's not like if we just take care of the environment, like, we're going to make heaven on earth. That's not the point. But to say, like, if back in Genesis 1, if God put Adam and Eve in the garden to tend it and care for it, then we probably, that I don't think that mandate ever went away. It wasn't like, eh, just kidding, do whatever you want. Like, you know, there was, there, there's there's sort of this idea that like this, even though God's going to recreate this, like, again, that's a way like caring well for our creation and doing, which is where I think in some ways like native peoples have really taken like Genesis, the beginning of Genesis more to heart than a lot of Christians have because they do have a lot of reverence for the land and how they farm the land and how they care for the land and stuff like that, where Christians have lost sight of that. And so and it's super interesting. Again, this is like a total sidebar, but um, which, um, shameless plug, next summer I'm going to do probably an intergenerational mission trip to Alaska. Um, and one thing that was really cool when we went to Alaska in 19, Summer of 19 was we talked to a guy um, up in Alaska that his dad, he's a third generation Christian. So he's native, and as Alaska native, but he's a third. And he talked about when the Christian missionaries, so it would have been, I think they were either Swedish or Russians, because it was before America was, was, a, was a state. Um, when they came to share um, Christianity with the natives, they started talking about the Old Testament. They knew a lot of the stories already, which goes to kind of your point of like kind of this idea of general revelation is God reveal His truth in ways that are kind of beyond our comprehension. That as they told the stories of like Abraham and stuff, they're like, yeah, we know those stories. They're di- We know them by different names, but we they had a lot of the similar stories. Like in world religions, there are many like ancient belief systems that have a flood. So to me, it's like, so there probably was a flood. If there's a lot of different, you know, ancient books that have a flood, that probably happened, you know. And so you see a lot of, like, echoes of the biblical story and other, which I think just gives more, even more credence to what we read in Scripture when you see attestation outside of, outside of the book. So um, anyway, it's just, it's, it's, it's very, I think, worthwhile for us to, I think if you I think if you if you take anything from revelation it's that don't get so caught up in trying to predict what's going to happen but be present here and be faithful to what God's having you do now that's if there's anything else that you take from this from this study this summer is that you know when we spend so much time trying to predict things or look at things far off we're missing what God has for us that's right in front of our faces I think that's a big point which is why there isn't a whole lot of stuff about what's coming because I don't know that we're not we're supposed to know a ton about it we're just supposed to have hope that it's gonna happen I think that's the end of the day is like be hopeful that this isn't it I mean as much as we, we want to focus on what's in front of us like if your life is a struggle which it is was, was for these original hearers, um, the struggle doesn't last forever and that there's something worth hoping for coming so just hold on and keep your eyes on Jesus so I'm going to